Um, awesome. So, yay, we're so glad you guys are here. So, my name is David, and um, let me get... Yes! Clap again. Um, okay, cool. Um, awesome. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I first sure should give a shout out to our um, overflow room. You guys are awesome. Um, and yes, we will be doing in-person small groups for the second hour. And so you guys are totally on board. And the onlineers, we see you as well. And so, um, yeah, onlineers, uh, I'm going to try to send a Zoom link. And then it'll be me and you all um, hitting it up on Zoom. And it's going to be great. So um, so that's going to come right after we're done with the first hour. Um, but awesome, man. Should we pray? Let's do it. Oh, God, you're just awesome. You just come through in the nick of time. And uh, we're just so honored to really each of us just be your child. Um, Father, thank you for your deep, deep love. And so um, all of our hearts are just so excited to be at DMHC. And we just give you the gratitude. It's all from you, Jesus. Everything that we have is from you. That's good. And so, yeah, to speak to each of us, our own unique situations today, um, would you just use this um, prepared material, but also just would your spirit lead um, each person that's presenting, as well as um, just each person in in our small groups as well. And um, Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Um, So... Here is um, just some learnings from the journey. So a free PDF for you guys. Um, Back when I had free printing, I used to bring this to GMHC and give them to whoever wanted one. Um, But uh, this is, yeah, called the Medicine Triathlon. And so, uh, yeah, if you want to write down that website, jesusinvasion.org, just a free PDF for you guys. kind of just goes through um, the pre-med, med school, and residency process. Uh, with some good extra motivation. Okay, today's lineup. Here we go. Miss um, Liz is going to come up, and then Kate, and then Michaelia, and then Jesse, and then I'm going to come back for the last one. Uh, we're going to call them Tiny TED Talks. So, um, And then uh, the second half, um, we're just going to do some minutes with Jesus. I hope you guys already got the sheet um, with the discussion questions. Um, and so we're just going to give you some time just to sit with the Lord, um, and then we're going to break up into our discussion groups. Okay, so here we go. So Miss Liz, this microphone is for you, and uh, we'll give you this other little microphone as well. Look at all your beautiful faces. Um, my name is Liz Redekin. I um, am here. I'm a family physician at Londo Christian Health Center out in inner city Chicago. Whoop, whoop, come on, Chicago, represent. Um, and we work at an FQHC out there. 
serving the underserved in um, in an urban setting. Um, and soon to be, Lord willing, this is a program director of our residency program, whoop, whoop, uh, Lord willing again, starting in July 2022. So just a little shout out, if you're a medical student here, we are having like a dinner forum tonight um, in 216, just on the same floor, that has like all the different family medicine residency programs that are represented, that are Christian-based and just amazing, wonderful faculty and residents and um just a time for you to like get to know and talk with them, rub shoulders a bit, and just kind of learn what it's like to walk in medicine. Um, so to just be like a super casual, open forum, just table time discussion. I just realized I forgot my timer. Hang on, because I can be long-winded. Hang on. <laughs> Jesse and I have known each other for a long time. <laughs> okay, my title for this topic um, is Hearing and Obeying God and how that leads to joyful hope in seven minutes. You ready? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, broad topic. David came up with the section titles, clearly not me, but that's okay. He's holier than my, it's fine. <laughs> um, okay, but so look, when he gave me this topic, I was thinking, I'm like, oh yeah, I can drive with that, cool. Obeying and hearing God's word, leading to joyful hope, for sure. I mean, that's my natural response when I think about hearing and obeying God. Oh, joyful hope. Yes. No, that's not my natural response, right? Our natural response usually is like dying to self, struggle, wrestling with the Lord in every way. And that usually kind of like leads to suffering in some ways, right? And that's not like harping on the Lord. You and I are good. We are good. But like, but the reality is when you are not following your own will and you're following the Lord's, it takes some level of self-denial. It takes, And that usually leads to some level of just like suffering and hardship and just difficulty. Um, so similar to David, I also like really did not want to go to medicine. I also just wanted to jump on the mission field. Um, my parents are actually here. Um, and they can attest when I got into medical school, I like cried. When I got into residency, I bawled. <laughs> I was like, Lord, shut the door. Somebody shut the door. And God was just like, baby girl, come on, keep walking. And he kept opening the door and just like shoved me right through. And I was like, oh, Lord. But I kept going. And hear me, I'm like not a martyr, martyr by any means. The Lord has been so kind. And like, man, God has like opened doors, so many doors through medicine and brought so much adventure and meeting amazing people. Um, and it's been quite the journey. And it really is just like the Lord knows best. I mean, I'm still learning. Every day, the Lord knows best. But so just to give you a little more depiction, um, this is where I trained. I trained in Ventura, California. I know. I just heard somebody say, wow, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's so nice. Um, this is where I did residency at. And, yeah, I lived a mile from the ocean. I walked, like, I could run to, like, good hiking. Like, good hiking. It was awesome. And I, like, people that don't even know me super well, I, like, love to move. Like, in every way, any movement, in sunshine, it's amazing. So this is where I lived. And then the Lord was like, babe, I want you to go back home to Chicago. And I said, okay, great. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome plan, Dad. No, that's not what I said. I was like, Chicago? Lord, that's a miserable place. It's cold. This is my backyard this last winter. It is so cold in Chicago. And God, people are like really mean in Chicago. Really mean and angry. Everybody's so angry. Why? I was thinking back to Ventura. I was like, oh, because in Ventura, it's like 65 and sunny all year long. Of course, everybody's happy there. Everybody's super grateful for your care. So patient. In Chicago, you're at the light for more than one second and it turns green and you're being honked at nonstop. I'm like, 
started to want to flip people off, and I've never done that. I was like, what is happening to me? So this is Chicago. And then the other element is that, like, the violence is really real. It's really real. And it's outside my clinic. It's even on my block. It's no longer on, like, the news stations anymore. Told you guys, Mom. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I wasn't excited about going over to Chicago. And when I followed in that obedience, right, it led to a little bit of suffering. And again, I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I'm not trying to be a millennial. But I just was really, like, there was an element of struggle in that, right? And so when I think about suffering and obedience and joyful hope, I'll be honest, I kind of struggled with the topic a little bit and was trying to struggle, like, God, I got seven minutes to try to unwrap the theology of how to do obedience and suffering and how that leads to joyful hope. I'm not going to get there just to let you know. We're going to do our best. But what I did come to the conclusion that, like, suffering and obedience have this great relationship, right? It has this symbiotic, they clearly go together. It's still a little bit mysterious how that leads to joyful hope. We're going to use scripture to get there, but but the point being is that a lot of times um, our obedience can lead to suffering, and then a lot of times just suffering can also lead to obedience, right? It says in Hebrews that Jesus, Jesus learned obedience through his suffering, and I'm just saying, if Jesus had to learn obedience through his suffering, Lord, guys, we all need that lesson, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And Christ, and God says in his word, like, you are glorious inheritance, your inheritance in my glory, but that also means your inheritance in my suffering. That's part of our plan. Just to burst your bubble, like, this is not just going to be your training years, this is your walk with the Lord. It involves suffering, it involves obedience. But, praise be to God, it does lead to joyful hope. Um, when I was thinking more so about practical steps of obedience, I just really encourage you guys, um, there's lots of things of practical obedience that you can do throughout your training years. Well, a friend of mine, a mentor, actually, Jesse's husband, um, they've been in my life a long time, and he says to me when I was in medical school, um, yeah, I was about to start, and he was like, you know, Liz, residency can be a really dark spiritual time. And remember, I didn't want to do medicine. And so I was like, well, that, I will be darned if that happens to me, because the whole reason I went into medicine was for the Lord. And so if, like, this training is going to take my relationship with the Lord away, oh, heavens, no. So I was determined, but it, it is. It can still be a really dark time. I mean, think about it. You don't have a lot of time. You don't sleep often. It's when you're in the Word, you're oftentimes falling asleep. You're not able to go to church every Sunday morning. So just the mere aspect that you just don't have your normal community is the reality, just because so much of your wake time is in the hospital. And that's just part of reality. So I encourage you, make good habits now. Make good habits now. Stay in that obedience. Stay in his word. Spend time with your daddy. Spend time with him. Be kind to one another. Because the reality is, like, these habits that you're forming now, again, I don't mean to burst your bubble. Training years are hard. And setting life is not that much easier. <laughs> it's like, it's still, there's, medicine's just hard. Whether in PA, whether MP, whether in nursing, there's just so much brokenness around you and so much need around you. Make good habits now of being in that daily obedience with the Lord. But what I really wanted to focus on, too, is I want you to keep showing up. Keep showing up. It says in Thessalonians, we're all children of the light. And where there is light, the darkness cannot overcome it. And so wherever you are, bring your light with you. Know who you are. You are sons and daughters of the King. And Jesus, 
is in you. He's dwelling in you. So when you go to the ICU, when you go to your clinic, when you're having a rough day, continue to have a conversation with the Lord of God. I got nothing. I got nothing to give right now. But just know that he knows that you are weak and needy. He knows it. Like, I think most of us, a lot of times in healthcare, are like, I got to show up. I got to do my best. I got to do all this. And the Lord, over these last, especially these five years, he's like, babe, I know you're weak and needy. I was like, you're right, I am. I finally just admitted it. Admit it. It feels so good. Just admit that you're weak and needy and you need the Lord. And so just stay in those, in these just practical spiritual disciplines, but also just keep showing up and watch him work. Um, what can we do in the midst of suffering? The other component of medicine is that suffering, um, whether it's out of obedience or whether it's just because we live in a fallen world, this world is hard and medicine is hard. You're going to see a lot of really hard things. You're going to hear so many heartbreaking stories. And a lot of times you're not really left with any hope. I just this last week, um, yeah, I got called in to do, poof, sorry, hold it together, hold it together. I went to do a car section and um, I don't think the baby's going to make it. And it was like, full-term, normal, first-time mama, 20 years old. I, like, finally got in the parking lot after all of it and, like, just bawled my eyes out. And it was just like, God, like, where's the hope in this? <laughs> hold it together. Hold it together. Um, but I just encourage you, like, keep clinging to the Father in the midst of those suffering, in your own suffering, but as well as the suffering that you see every day. Sometimes every 15 minutes, you just got to wipe your tears and move on. And there's like a callousness that you build that's normal and good to medicine because if you can, if you do this every time, right, like nothing would get done. You just, everybody would be puddles in the hospital. But like the reality is you have to see the next patient. And so I just encourage you in those moments, just cling to your father, cling to him, and also extend compassion, extend compassion through that touch. When I talked with that woman who was 20 years old and I don't even know if she realizes how bad the situation was for her child, but just touched her arm and prayed with her. Extend compassion to yourself as well, because it is hard. And I'm not saying, like, you just have to be a pity party, but extend compassion because the Lord has compassion for you too. Um, so let's get into the hope. Aren't we all feeling hopeful? Right. <laughs> okay, next presenter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the meat of it. So suffering is really that birthplace of hope. Lamentations is this amazing book that just like all of like the Israelites just like weeping and crying and just like sitting in their suffering. And I know I'm selling the book really well. Um, But he says in the middle of this book, in the midst of it, in the middle, he says this, I call to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. In bold, I helped you out. This is in bold. This, what he means by this is he means the Lord's compassion. So put it in, in this place. I, The Lord's compassion, I recall to my mind. The Lord's compassion. The Lord's mercies I can call to my mind. And the Lord is my person. He is mine and I am his, is what he says in Isaiah. Therefore, that's why we can have hope. Not because of what you've done, not because of your test performance, not because of the opportunities you've had, 
But because of this, because of his unfailing love, because his mercies are new every morning, that's the hope that you can extend to your patients as well. That's the hope that you can extend to your coworkers. That's the hope that you can extend to your classmates. Because of this and nothing else. In Romans, he also talks about we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character and character strength or confidence and hope. Love. I'm just, and endurance strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Ooh, I love that line. This hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Again, it's his unfailing love. It's in bold. I helped you out. There's the theme. It's his unfailing love is why we can have hope. Um, I kind of went off track. So, sorry, I went off a little off rogue on my, on my script here. Um, I, let me just check the time. Um, I was going to share another patient story, but I think um, what I'm going to share is this um, just real quickly, just kind of a personal story. Um, when I was, wow, I'm really weepy today, sorry. Um, when I was in residency, I um, ended up developing some sort of autoimmune disease. And um, I'm sorry, I'm so weepy. Anyway, I, um, it basically is like a joint disease. It's, well, a lot of you are medical. It's either ankylosing spondylosis, ankylosing spondylosis or psoriatic arthritis. But for a good year and a half, um, I just like couldn't, walk very well. Um, I just swelling in all kinds of joints and was just in constant pain all the time. And I remember just like crying out to the Lord. Just like, God, okay, residency is really hard, Lord. Let's just be real. And I was like, God, and like a joint disease at like 76 where I like can't walk around the block is really hard. And both of them is just like unbearable. What are you doing? Like how in the world? And I remember having moments just like sitting in my living room just feeling hopeless. Like, God, I don't know that I'll ever dance again. And guys, I love to dance. My friends, it doesn't take long to know that I just love to dance. And I love sports and I love to move. And I was just like, God, I just, I don't know if I'll ever do these things again. And praise be to God, um, after about a year and a half, um, was introduced to some medicine and I still recalled every moment of the conversation when I called my mom and my mom did her like obligatory like how you feeling honey which I had asked her to stop asking me that about a year and I was like mom I feel bad I feel pain that's why I feel quit asking me and she did again just in her nurturing wonderful ways like how you feeling honey and I was like mom I actually feel well and she was like huh (laughs) and I was like like like, I just started the medicine, like, three days ago, and it's working. And my dad comes home around the time, and he's, like, my mom and I are, like, screaming on the phone, like, God is so kind, Lord, is it merciful? He didn't have to heal me. He didn't have to. And I just was screaming out in joy, and my dad comes on the phone, he's like, what's going on? What's all these screaming about? I was like, Dad, I feel better. I feel better. And he was, I was like, I was like, he's like, really? Are you sure? Because <laughs> they had, they had come to find, like, for almost two years, I wasn't able to do hardly anything. And I was like, yeah, like I just walked up two flights of stairs and I could do it. And it didn't hurt. And of course, my dad being my dad was like, well, let's go skiing. And I'm like, easy, pops, easy. Yeah, right? And I still remember, and this is what I want to leave you with, my dad asking, man, don't you wish you had started the medicine months ago or a year ago? 
And I was like, honestly, Dad, no, I don't. And do I want to go through this again? No. But I've learned so much about the Lord, and I've learned so much about hope, even when you feel like there's no hope around you, because of just, just like this unfailing love. And so if you've taken nothing away from this, except just know, keep showing up, the Lord just like, he will use you. He knows you're weak and needy, and he's the one that does the work. Keep clinging to him in the midst of suffering, whether it's your own or the suffering around you. And also just know where your hope comes from. You are sons and daughters of the king. Training is hard. Being obedient is hard. Know where your hope lies. And it lies in his unfailing love. Thank you so much. all-star who was nursed right before she speaks. Talk about a boss. topic of helping now versus investing in education, which is really hard, and there's not any, like, one specific scripture that tells us what to do here, so my goal, if you know me, I love being uncomfortable, I love making other people uncomfortable, I feel like that gets us closer to Christ, most of the time, sometimes it backfires, hopefully it doesn't while I'm talking to y'all today, so um, my goal is not to, like, share the perfect biblical answer to how to perfectly balance this balance, um, but to just make you uncomfortable and to press into it in a new way and um, to maybe help you find more of Christ in um, seeking his will for you in this balance. Um, And yeah, just scripture to think about while we're talking in 2 Corinthians, um, we're told to take captive every thought, every minute, every everything, um, and make it obedient to Christ. Um, And then in 1 Corinthians, we're told to become fools so that we may become wise. So in light of that, I um, just wanted to start out with this myth. I think it's a myth. You may think it's not a myth. Myth, good students make good grades. That's what the world tells us is true, but in our like um, biblical worldview, is that accurate? Um, sometimes, maybe, sometimes, maybe not. Um, so... Now I'm going to talk about a few things that I think prove why this is a myth. One... Our education system, so your medical school, your nursing school, your college. Okay, so some are, like, faith-based, but most are not. Um, same with our hospitals, are not, like, founded on the Bible, right? Like, if I'm uninsured, like, I might not get care. Like, that's not what Christ says. Um, and, yeah, a lot of things in your school, I'm sure you've seen, are not, like, founded in Scripture. And these these groups are telling us, like, we have to make good grades to be good students. So there's one thing. Another thing, do good grades create good medical professionals? Um, I forget which talk it was, but talking about how, like, good grades, I think he said something about this already this morning, but, you know, good grades maybe say, like, you're a good test taker, you're, like, good at memorizing, like, 
yeah, maybe you have good time management, but are like the tests that are giving us the grades, are they like telling how like how to be compassionate, how to like share information with people in a good way, how to like have analytical thinking, which is what you need when you're in the hospital or in the clinic? Not always. I mean, some tests maybe. So again, sorry if this is like ruffling your feathers. Actually, not sorry because I want to ruffle your feathers. But anyways, these are my thoughts. Um, other things, good jobs and good training programs don't require good grades. Like maybe really competitive jobs, maybe really competitive training programs, maybe like jobs where you make a ton of money and it's really prestigious and you get a lot of like respect and honor. Maybe those programs require good grades, but maybe not like the ones – yeah, maybe there's other ones that are still meaningful and still good that you don't have to jump through all of those hoops that the world says you need to jump through to get there. And the system can be changed. This is not like 100% you have to make a grades to get to the other side. I think there is like wiggle room in there to, right, because, yeah, the preface is like to get good grades, you have to spend all your time studying and not helping others now. So, but like maybe that doesn't exactly have to be that exact way. And, yep, and then this scripture, am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. So in every step of our education, our number one thing is getting God's approval for how we're spending our time, how we're balancing studying versus helping now. Um, and a lot of times if we're, like, chasing down those good grades, like, maybe are we trying to please men? Like, is is that what's pleasing to God? I don't know if that's always the number one thing that's pleasing to God. Okay, I think that was all I wanted to say on this stuff. Yes, okay. So, something that I think is true, which I am like 100% positive everybody in here agrees with, so no more feeling uncomfortable. Good students are committed to understanding, enjoying, and multiplying the glory of God. And not just good students, just like followers of Christ in general, like that's what we need to be committed to. Um, That's what we should be doing. So, foundation of doing that well is like obvious things prayer and fasting studying god's word like being in fellowship with other believers like walking with the lord in any way like those are foundational and that's how we know him better that's how we spread his glory um and yes those are really important things specifically related to student oh hold it down some sorry was it super loud Oh, thank you. Okay, well, see, look, uncomfortable in ways I didn't expect you to be uncomfortable in. And it's still, so that was one of the bad, thank you, Christian. He's awesome. He's just told me to move the mic down. Okay, so other things that students could do. Wow, it sounds a lot better to me, too, now. So, okay, so, yeah, we're, what good to gain the whole world, yet um, lose your soul. Okay, one thing, like, pursuing knowledge, like, that can be good. Like, the Lord made, like, a beautiful world. Like, he is so creative and incredible. And pursuing, knowing that world, knowing how the human body works, which is, like, yeah, I mean, it's his creation. That is, like, good, and that is, like, worth your time. Um, if that's, like, your motivation, right, is to pursue knowledge, is to pursue, like, understanding his creation, that's good. If it's just to, like, um, per, like seek the, um, like, what other people think of you, then, like, maybe not as good. Um, so, yeah, this this is good. And, and education is a privilege. Like, not everybody gets to, like, go to, col- go to high school, go to college, go to nursing school. I mean, all those things. It's a privilege. And it brings a lot of influence that we can, like, use in unbelievably awesome ways for the kingdom. And so, yeah, like, this can be good, but just in the right mindset. Other things that I think are, like, have to happen to be, like, a good student in the Christian worldview is to be available to those hurting around us. Like, there has to be time in your day to do that. Like, that is what Christ did, and that is what we have to do. Like, if we want to be like Christ, that's what we need to do. 
but taking it a step further than like, oh, well, like the classmate that sits next to me in class, like they were hurting and like they told me about it and I listened and like, check, okay, like off to the library to do my thing or whatever. Like also, I, I think I specifically feel like the Lord's giving me a really strong calling, not just to those who are like spiritually impoverished, but also those who are physically impoverished. And I think a lot of times in medicine, we have this calling to like, I want to serve the poor. I'm going to do these like awesome things with the poor, like serve the poor. But then like maybe the only poor people that we know are the people that we like see in clinic, you know, or like see in the hospital, but we don't have any like real relationship or friendship with people that are like uninsured or on Medicaid or whatever. And so, hey, like during medical school, like you can have those relationships, like you can pursue those and be available to those people that are hurting, um, that are spiritually poor and physically poor. And like you can still like get through school and glorify the Lord. So I feel like that is super important, being available for people that are hurting and not just your classmates, but like a step further, like people that are not like you, people at the fringes of society. And then the last thing, which ruffle your feathers again, is like maybe like all we have to do is pass. Like maybe we... I don't know who yelled, but yeah, okay. Um, maybe, like, we just need to pass, and, like, that's okay. And, like, you know, maybe, like, we're not number one and whatever. Maybe all the things. And maybe passing is, like, all that the Lord needs. But, like, this is, like, everybody has a very individual walks with the Lord. And so, if, like, people are definitely called to, like, hugely glorify him. I mean, like, the guy that spoke this morning. I have a feeling that he probably did more than pass, you know, and that's, like... <laughs> Ow, I like still am trying to figure out the 23 folds in the paper, get to the moon, whatever it was. I, so, you know, it's like a very individual walks, but just like press into this and thinking about it. So I was going to briefly share like a little bit about my testimony and how I fit into this like pendulum, which I did definitely, or not pendulum bounce, which I definitely didn't have the right bounce. But for me, I got saved in Singapore at the end of college, right before I started med school. It was like amazing. A Chinese Singaporean shared the gospel with me, and that's how I came to believe, which is like, what the heck, Lord, that's so awesome. Oh, that's really awesome. And so thank you, Lord, for that. Um, and prior to that, I mean, was like super, I mean, like extreme gunner, like had incredible grades, would like sneak out of my dorm room in the morning to study for the MCAT so my roommates could still sleep. Not because I like love them and wanted them to be well rested, but because like I had to study more than they did. And if I woke them up, they might start studying too. So I had to be like super quiet. It was just like totally nuts. But then as soon as I came to know the Lord, I was like, crap, like, oh, I can't even do the stuff I was doing. Like, I couldn't spend time in the library like that like I used to. I just can't. Like, man, he's giving me all these other, like, desires and hopes. So big change in grades. Maybe too big of a change in grades, though. So anyways, yeah. Dev, like, started, put, praise God, had already taken them, gotten all those things. So, okay, got into medical school, got, met this awesome um, guy, Paul, at a CCHF conference, which you'll hear about from Jesse. He's awesome. Has a very different calling in the Lord, though, like, loves medicine, loves to study, like, does that excellently, and it glorifies the Lord. So it is definitely, like, constant tension there of how we spend our time. So there, you can definitely do that, because I'm married to someone that does that, and it's amazing, and he's awesome and does things I can't do. Um, so got married. Then we were in medical school and we lived intentionally in this apartment complex where refugees were resettled. And it was like, man, I was totally rocked to never experience poverty had never speak, experienced like unreached people groups, like right outside my door. And we were in medical school and I was like trying to study and like do all the things I had to do, but also like trying to be available to those that were hurting now. Definitely did not go perfectly though. Like struggled so much with guilt. Like Used to study in Panera and be like, oh, duh, 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 studying Panera, cinnamon, crunch, bagel, anybody? Yeah, okay. Um, but then was like, wow, like my neighbors like don't even know what Panera is. Like they're probably like never going to get to go to Panera and study something and like, you know, have $2 to buy a bagel with and like, like have the privilege of like pursuing education. Like how can I 
Like what? Like what? So like some like sinful, maybe not like on the right. Anyway, struggled a lot with grades. Unfortunately, did not pass all the classes. I, well, there was one class I failed, and I missed one. I would like skip class to try to help the people in my neighborhood. So like someone needed a ride to the doctor. I'm like, how can I train to be a doctor in my neighborhood? I can't even get to the doctor. I can't go sit in my whatever. So got a zero on the quiz because I wasn't there, which like just bumped me below. Anyways, but it was like not healthy. Like this was too much. Like had a savior complex. Was trying to save everybody. Like can't do that. Like was too much. Like any I could keep telling stories about the stupid things I did that should have been like tip the other way. But anyways, experienced that, but still had, I mean, like, got to see, like, someone, like, a Muslim, like, come to Christ. Like, that was amazing. Got to, like, love people. Like, got to, like, know God better was awesome. Okay, but maybe too far on the spectrum of where it should have been, but was pressing into that, and it was really great. And you can do those things in in med school, but just maybe not. But Paul did it, and he did a better job of bouncing it. Okay, but he's not here to tell you that, so okay. <laughs> then um, went to residency. We lived, it's, this, so sorry, that's a funny picture of our program director. He was posing as someone um, giving birth, uh, like woman giving birth to a child at this like national conference. So that's the kind of residency program I went to with like crazy people like that at your program director. Anyway, so we go to residency. We are living in like urban on um, Birmingham. So like similar violence issues like as Chicago, but no snow, so, you know. <laughs> Anyways, so a little bit easier than they have it. So, um, yeah, living there, like, have we have, that's our third baby. And then, like, the Lord randomly asked us to start fostering, like, during our second year of residency and was, like, insanely, like, man, Lord, like, we have two kids and we're, like, barely swimming, like, keeping our heads above water. And, like, you're adding two teenagers from, like, super traumatized. They live two doors down from us, like, super traumatized backgrounds. Like, how the heck, like can we do, like, what in the world, Lord? But, like, he gave us, and it was like, he was just, like, saying take the next step, and he was going to provide for what was needed. Did that change the amount of time I studied? Not really, because I already wasn't really studying at baseline, but it changed how much Paul was studying, and he's still super smart. So did that, and, yeah, and, yeah, just got to do other really incredible, awesome things with, yep, and there's a few of and so it started with two, then eventually it became more, became less, became more. Anyways, Bachelor Care is amazing. Everyone should do it. Love the vulnerable. Okay. So I think, yes, in summary, a few more things. So, like, on paper, for me, like, failed classes in medical school, needed extra study time to study for step one, also needed extra time to study for my family medicine boards. But, like, the Lord, like, gave all of that, and, like, now I'm a doctor, and I, like, think I'm providing good care for my patients. Also allowed me to share the gospel with tons of unreached people groups during medical school. Also allowed me to, like, love, like, tons of, like, extremely vulnerable, like, amazing children that have been through, like, really horrible, like, super sad things. Um, and, yeah, I'm super grateful that, like, man, I could find joy in all those things when I thought I had to wait till later because I thought my pendulum had to be, like, all the time studying, but it didn't necessarily have to. So, um, yes, okay. Um, uh, things to think about that this makes me think about. Um, don't, this actually, David told me to do this. Don't have, like, the consumer mindset when you're, like, picking a school or a residency program. Like, hey, these are my 20 things. They have to have X, they have to have you know, hey, like, Lord, how are you going to use me? Where are you going to use me? Like, I'm going to get the education wherever I go, but, like, where are you going to use me? I want to be on mission for you right now. Like, you come back in two weeks, and I don't want to be, like, you know, I want to be, like, on fire for you, loving you, like, knowing you more, spreading your joy with more people. Um, The next thing is, kind of touched on this before, like, what personal relationships do you have with people living in physical poverty right now? Like, if you want to serve them later, like, you have to be serving them right now, or you're not going to get out of, like, the pattern of, like, living in, like, comfortable places and not, like, getting uncomfortable. So please pursue that right now, and your grades will be okay. The last thing... 
Um, helping now is fuel and motivation to invest in education. So, like, as you love these people more, as you see, like, the really sad, horrible things that they're going through, um, like, the Lord's going to, that, like, kind of what um, David said, too. Dang it, David, two of my meaningful topics are actually from you. Like, the, the time management isn't going to help. It's the vision. And the, like, helping now is what gives you the vision. Alrighty, That's it for me. And now on to our next presenter, Michaela. switch things up and move to the other side. Woo-hoo-hoo. Okay, um, so my name is Michaelia. I am a second year med student at Eastern Virginia Medical School. Woo! Yes, we're the only two here and we're rocking it. Um, so, um, I am married to a non-medical person and that's great too. Uh, I get to talk about whole person care today because I went to the whole person care preceptorship which everyone who is in any kind of healthcare training should attend. Um, so I'll tell you about that at the end. But first, I'll introduce you to what whole person care is. So whole person care, as you can see on the slide, is care that addresses the emotional, the mental, relational, spiritual, and physical needs of a patient. So we learn most of that in our respective schools, physical, mental, maybe sort of relational, maybe that's more counselors, uh, emotional, like we have to deal with people and maybe you know counsel them that way. But we don't really talk about spiritual in part because of, you know, society, we're just, like, scared of it or whatever. It's like with politics, don't talk about it, it's scary. But it's not scary, and it's very important. We are all mind, body, and spirit, and we need to care for the spirit. Um, so, great. Let's talk about it. What it is, it is a conversation. And it is with, done with the goal of identifying where this person is and uh, what they believe. I also forgot to start my timer, so I'm going to do that right now. All right, timer started. So the goal is to figure out where they are. It's a diagnosis type of diagnostic type of interaction. Um, What are they believing? Some diagnoses would include they're hopeless. They lack love. They're not forgiving someone else. They're not receiving forgiveness. They are full of hope and full of joy. You know, those are all diagnoses in the spiritual realm. And so that's this conversation you're desiring to identify where they are. Um, What it is, it needs to be patient-led. So this needs to reverse the, like, power structure that's usually in medicine, uh, it's not going to go anywhere if they don't want to go there. And so you have to respect them and let them lead. And so that includes giving them ways out, like continuing to ask them, we can stop whenever you know, you're uncomfortable or read the room if they're trying to look bored, like move on, um, continue to get permission. Um, and so what else is it? It's an opportunity for us to validate like what they're feeling, what they're going through, neutralize self-judgment, because that is harmful. Um, so we get to be a part of that. It's an opportunity for us to focus discussion on the character of God. And if they're not really open to talking about God, then focus on universal truths. It seems like things like justice, uh, things like love. Um, and so redirecting their focus towards those things, like God tells us. Think about things that are good and excellent. You know. um, and it's an opportunity for us to offer optional treatments. So we've identified where they are, and now we're giving them tools or resources or things 
to work with that. We can offer them faith and like encourage them in their relationship with God. Uh, we can help walk them through being able to forgive someone else. We can walk them through receiving forgiveness. Uh, we can offer Bible verses if they're up for that. And we can offer prayer. I would recommend you do that with everyone. Um, again, it's an optional treatment. So it's not about what you want to do. It's patient-led. So you'd ask things like, would it be helpful for you if we take time to pray? What do you want prayer for? And if they're like, eh, sure, if you want to, ask them again. It's not about me and what I want. This is like for you. What do you want? Um, so what it's not, it's not evangelistic. Yes, we all want people to know Jesus, but God's the one who saves people. God's the one who, you know, changes that heart. So our goal is to identify where God's at and meet him there. We cannot force this conversation. If we do, it probably will just leave a bad taste in their mouth, you know, if they don't want to have that conversation. So we got to respect people. It's, you know, we want to evangelize, but like, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to identify where they're at. And it's not led by our agenda. It goes along those lines. We continue to give ways out. It's patient-led. Um, it's not done half-hearted, because that can cause a whole lot more harm than good. Uh, this is one of those cases where if you do it half-hearted, you can reinforce negative beliefs that they already have. Like, God has abandoned me, and no one loves me. If they tell you you're trying to do this, but you don't actually care, that can just reinforce that, and that causes more harm. Don't do that. And we want to do this in a just manner. So we want to offer equal treatments to equal persons, right? Like, Offer it to everyone. Don't just ignore them because you don't think they're a Christian already or you're uncomfortable around them because they look scary and they're like in a gang. You're like, you know, whatever. Just offer it to everyone. Check your own bias before you go in the room of why am I doing this? Why am I not doing this? Um, so that's an overview of what this is. So now I'm going to focus on taking a spiritual history. I use this button. Does that work? Yeah, great. Um, so this is how we do it. This is a conversation that we have with people. Um, often people put it near like social history because it makes sense together. Um, but this also needs a transition of what and a why, like everything else we talk about. Where are we going? Why are we going there? Um, so example transition. I recognize all aspects of life are interconnected, so I'd like to ask you more questions about your support system and worldview so I can learn what's important to you and how that's impacting your experience of this illness and how we can work together towards your goals in medical care. And as you ask these questions in the history, you don't have to you know, keep to the script, but you do want to go in a gradual progression, uh, going straight to what's your relationship with God like? It's startling. So start with something you know, more surface level and go deeper. So how long has this been going on? What's been stressful about it? Can you tell me more about that? What's your source of strength to keep going? How has this affected the way you see yourself? How has this affected the way you see God? And just getting to explore there and be curious. Again, patient-led, go as far as they want. Um, so... On this, you get to learn this and practice this on the whole person care preceptorship. Um, and me getting to go this past year has opened up, you know, that practice. So I've been able to apply it even outside of medicine. Like, for example, um, my sister-in-law recently lost her dog of, like, 12 years or something. And so I reached out and was sharing with her, like, I'm praying for you. Like, this is so hard. I'm sorry about it. And I was willing to share part of my story of, like, I lost my cat a few years ago and... I had a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts about life and death and the authority of God over life and death. And so then I just asked her, like, have you had any of those sorts of thoughts? And she really opened up. She was like, yes, I am so scared of death and I don't know where I stand with God. And, like, she accepted Christ, but no one's really discipled her. So she's, like, uncertain what that means and where she stands and how to study the Bible. So I'm like, wow, thanks for sharing that. Like, there is something, you know, if someone walked through with me to help me learn that, like, can I do that with you? Would that be helpful for you? She's like, yeah, let's do it. So um, we're in process of scheduling that right now. So take a moment to pray <laughs> that that works out and she gets her you know, foundation. We get to do that together. Um, but yeah, super impactful. So definitely go to the whole person care preceptorship. It's in the summer. It's four weeks. Um, 
Up here you can see applications are April 1st due, but it's $3,600. That includes the program, the room, the food, the transportation while you're there. Um, it's really worthwhile. You make a lot of good friendships. You'll get to learn and practice this stuff. Um, and it will be very worth it. Like the cost of not doing something else, the cost of the money, the cost of the time, it's totally worth it. People desire this, they need this, um, and it will equip you to do what God is calling you to do. Uh, I know it has me, and I hear also, like this is the, one of the number one things talked about in interviews, so um, definitely do it. Definitely consider it. Come talk to me if you want to learn more. I have some flyers, and there's a table with um, Medical Strategic Network. All right, so now to Jesse. Stretch a little bit, like it's a little bit over. Don't hit your neighbor. Thank you. Okay, we're really so happy to be able to have this chance. Um, this came about because David and I, David was doing a talk for students, and I was doing a talk for students, and we're like, wait, why are we both doing stuff? Like, let's do this mishmash. So it's awesome so that we could have you all here at the same time. How are you all doing in the room next door? You good? I can't hear you. Yell louder. Okay. <laughs> So I'll be talking about spiritual disciplines a little bit because everybody kind of covered it because can you guess how important it is? Um, living in communi community, advocating for the vulnerable. <laughs> oh, thanks all for the cheer and all of you virtually online. We see you. Um, we don't really see you. Why am I saying that? We, we feel like you are out there. <laughs> My name is Jesse Thomas. I am the National Director of Programming for Students and Residents at Christian Community Health Fellowship. And what we do is we are a movement of God's people who choose daily to promote healing in marginalized communities in the name of Jesus. We're an organization that's kind of like on the down low. Most people don't hear about us unless it's like word of mouth. So everybody that has spoken today has been affected by CCHF. Um, the mission of CCHF is to encourage, engage, and equip Christians to live out the gospel through healthcare among the poor and the marginalized. And one of our key values is partnership, which is why we partner with residency programs and clinics and individuals. So it's a really awesome place to get to know people. If you've heard of John Perkins, um, then you know what I'm going to talk about. If you have not, please, like, I'm an advocate of take your camera because you already paid for it, use it. So take pictures of whatever you need to take pictures of to remember this stuff. He talks about the three R's, relocation, reconciliation, and redistribution. I'm not going to go over all of those, but the one that I want you at this stage of training to understand is relocation. And you've heard different people talk about that as well. Because one of the things I hear about from students is, as a missionary, what country should I go to? Let me figure that out. But I don't think that's the best question And when you're a student. We encourage students to spend their summers and their breaks, spring breaks, fall breaks, in hard places, therefore relocating to the place where the people we serve actually live. Then you're going to understand what it's like to do missional medicine because you're understanding the person. Because oftentimes we're so focused on the medical healthcare training part and like, oh, I want to do these medical experiences in these medical ways. But that's not as important as understanding the people. So this book, Let Justice Roll Down, 
um, will, if, when you read it, you'll understand the actual issues people face in under-resourced communities, specifically in the U.S. today. This is real mission work, and so it's, you have to go where the need is. Micah 6.8 says, he has shown you what is good, what the Lord requires of you, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Is that a one-week mission trip to do those things? But that's what people are focused on, like this, this short-term missional experience. But as Christians, we should be living this out all year long. And even if you work at a Christian clinic, let's say, missions is not something you do from 9 to 5, or really from 8 to 7 if a lot of these clinics. But Isaiah 6.8, which is really cool, Micah 6.8, Isaiah 6.8. Check out all the 6.8s in your Bible. Anyway, Isaiah 6.8 says, check out the 3.16s in your Bibles too, because it's not just John. If you keep looking, it's... That's a Bible study. Anyway, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Right? Famous missional verse. But it doesn't say, Send me, but first, Jesus, I need to make this much amount of money. I want to make sure I have enough to support my family. I want to send my kids to a good school. I want to live in a good neighborhood. I need work-life balance because I only want to work this many hours. Well, if you're going to tell Jesus, Send me, but are you really saying, Here am I, send me? Committing to a missional life means you trust Jesus for all your needs so that your focus is on loving God and loving people. In order to do this, you have to have a missional mindset, which starts now. And so I'm going to show you some ways that you can cultivate this. First, look for purposeful ways to use your time. Let's say you're going to take a gap year, maybe in between college or grad school, during college, um, you want to use that time wisely to learn about the brokenness that exists. I was speaking to a gap year student who had spent time in a, a community in Philadelphia that was an under-resourced community. Kensington is like one of the worst neighborhoods in the country for drug use. Wall Street Journal said that. I didn't make that up. He, his car broke down. Well, he lives in suburbia. So then, you know, you call AAA, you have somebody take you or whatever, you can rent a car. You can't do that there. So he's like, wait, how do I do this? And how do my neighbors do this? Figure out the bus system. Who's, how's the car going to get fixed? Who do I even take it to? And so when he started living there for a year, he started to understand, okay, it's not just a simple, oh, the poor, like, they could, there's resources for them. It's not that simple. But if you don't live in those communities, how would you even know that? So the key at this stage is don't, Focus on looking for healthcare experiences, but missional life experiences where you're doing life among the poor and the marginalized. In the same way Kate was living in refugee housing, and that, like, give a ride to somebody. Um, there are other programs that you can uh, look up. CCHF, has, we're kind of like a networking where we find all these uh, things, curate them, and bring them to you. So contact me if you want to learn more about that. What you want to discern from Jesus now is, what is the need now, and am I open to go wherever God is sending me today? And sometimes that might be your classmate, your roommate, your brother. So look and keep your eyes open for opportunities everywhere. Second is to be intentional and be strategic. We have seen students that when they finally spend time with those that are doing missional work, they are so impacted that it sticks with them, and they're the ones that end up sticking through the missional life. So, which is why we ask you when you, if you're a nurse practitioner, PA, uh, med student, come and do a preceptorship with us in your fourth year med school during residency, because then 
All of our clinics with CCHF, which we have across the country, are in under-resourced communities. And so when you do that, um, you're going to get the chance to see what does life look like living in this neighborhood? How do I do my marriage? How do I do my kids? How do I do my foster care? How do I do life among my neighbors? Um, and then if you don't, like we don't have clinics everywhere, but we have half the CCHF members work in, um, not even in healthcare, like they're IT, they're um, business students. And if you know people who are missional in those fields, our clinics desperately need sharp business executives and IT people, because you know technology. Like godly IT people, like please rise, we need you. So the main point is to find ways to see how does faith and healthcare practice intersect. And when you do that whole care um, preceptorship out in California, which we highly recommend you do, um, you're going to see what that looks like. You're going to have a heart for the vulnerable and a path to serving them. Now, as you spend time shadowing, doing gap year, volunteering, or even just the stories that you hear at conferences like this, you're going to be more informed about the opportunities to serve with your whole life. I often hear as early as high school or undergrad students saying, I'm, gonna, I'm on this path because I'm going to be a pediatrician, I'm going to be a heart surgeon, I'm going to be a dermatologist. The truth is, this is not the time to make that decision. What you need, you know, that's admirable if you want to do that, and there's some people who, like, um, because of life experiences, like somebody passed away from cancer at a young age, they want to do, you know, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is, like, if you feel this need, like, I have to decide what kind of doctor, and I'm going to go to this country and this people group, that, that's not the time now. This is the time for openness, to learn, to discern, and sharpen your ears to the voice of Jesus. And so that's where the focus is with your intake of God. Um, and then having experience where you can see where the work is being done. If, you have, if you're going the doctor route, if you have not picked a specialty and you are the, yes, Jesus, take me wherever the need is, I'm going to tell you where there is a huge need is primary care. Primary care, the shortage is crazy, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. I'm going to show you a map later. When you hear about missions and you think, oh, I can go do surgeries overseas, that is exciting. And if that's your gifting, go ahead and do that. But if you're saying, I want to be impactful by building long-term relationships with people, I encourage you to look at primary care, internal medicine, OB-GYN, um, pediatrician. But if you want to be a pediatrician, it's because you want to minister to those parents because those parents are freaking out. And so don't do because I love children. Be No, do it for the parents because they're the ones you're going to be praying with, sharing with, crying with, listening to. Um, and family practice is not the olden days of general practice. There are actually specific residency programs that will train you well to um, do family practice and do why, uh, it's called full-spectrum family practice. Uh, this evening, the last slide, there's going to show you where this evening you can come and listen to some of these programs and what they do there that are kingdom-minded. Sometimes they're thought of cowboy programs because it's kind of like the Lone Ranger going out there and doing like a wide variety of um, care. There are Christian family practice residency programs as well that you can meet them here, but there's other programs, even though they're secular, they actually have Christian faculty. And so because of those certain Christians, they can disciple you, send you to churches, um, mentoring, that type of thing, and even be family to you. So you do want to get really well trained because you don't want to make mistakes and you know hurt people in your medicine, but you want to stay on, t on track and on mission. Um, and as you might have heard, residency is the hardest time in your entire medical training, so you don't want to bankrupt your faith 
which is what happens too, off, too often in medical training. If you're interested in learning more about those programs, uh, in the exhibit hall, there's a whole hallway of them, and then there's the program tonight. This is the map. This is the map. Um, the dark, if it's green, it's underserved, and the, the darker the green, the worse it is. Um, so I've heard about faculty members who actually tell their students that uh, if they are not training to be a specialist where you can make a lot of money, it's a total waste of your time. Um, and there are others that will say, you know you're worth more than that, right? Or you must be stupid to even think about going to family practice. Only dumb people go into family practice. So if you're like, this was your goal, and you keep hearing these messages over and over again, it's going to affect you because you're already tired and burnt out and traumatized by different things that you might have seen. So don't let those things sway you. The problem is if you do get super specialized, it's hard to develop long-term relationships. If you're a surgeon, you see them pre-op, post-op, like you're not developing those long-term relationships. So try. it's about your motive. That's what we talked about before. Why is God calling you into healthcare? What are you trying to do with it? So you then you figure out with your giftings and talents, because if this is a platform to share this gospel and have spiritual conversations, then um, think about like where, what kind of specialty can you do that. My husband does full-spectrum family medicine. He'll be on the stage tonight with a bunch of other people of what missions look like. We do rural medicine. And so if you think about my husband's from Chicago, I'm from New York. We live in rural Appalachia. We're the whitest clinic of the entire CCHF system. So when you look at us, you'd be like, oh, that's interesting. Like, God is the God of cross-cultural missions. So he just sent some Indian immigrant Yankees to Appalachia <laughs> to serve and minister there. We've been there 21 years. Literally, last week, a patient came to our house and said, I made this knife for you. I'm like, thank you so much. We get moonshine delivered. We get, it's awesome. So you cannot put God in a box of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And this is where I'm supposed to, you have no idea. Like, let God lead you. Primary care is one of those ways that you're going to have the chance to develop those relationships. Also, loan repayment, which I think somebody's going to talk about, um, loan repayment in a lot of these areas, both through the government, National Health Service Corps, NHSC, come and talk to me if you don't know about that, because all the money belongs to Jesus, even if it's from the government, right? There's also a group called MedSend. They also have a booth. They do loan repayment. They, they pay for your loans while you serve in the missions, and you can get that in the U.S. if you work for a CCHF clinic. The other huge need, obviously, because we live pandemic times, behavioral health. The darker the blue, the worse, right? If you want to go into behavioral health, we desperately need you. So please, please pray about doing that. The thing is, you don't have to decide anytime soon. Am I going overseas? Am I going to the U domestic? U it is global missions. The U.S. is on the globe. So it doesn't matter, right? There are unreached people in the U.S. as well as overseas. There are some clinics that primarily see refugees and immigrants. So these are some of our, these are some of our clinics that actually have a high population of refugees and immigrants. Jesus is sending the nations to us. And you know how hard it is to get overseas now anyway and learn language and do all that. So if they're coming here, at minimum, start here. Because you need the training, you need to fundraise, you need to do all this stuff anyway to go overseas. So why not start here? And you can do rotations at every single one of these clinics. So just to let you know. Um, the other thing is that you need mentors. 
Um, when you go to catalytic, catalytic events like uh, this conference at GMHC, we have a conference, if you want to mark the dates, it's April 6th weekend um, in Cincinnati. And our theme is joy because, I mean, now is the time that we need some joy. So when you go to our conference, you're going to actually, it's much smaller than this, you get to meet other like-minded Christians because if you're at your school and maybe you're in a Christian fellowship and you're like, but I, I don't find people that have this missional mindset, you're going to find 700 people with this missional mindset. So um, mark your calendars and come to our conference. People might find their partners there in ministry and in life. I'm just saying, it's just happened over and over. In fact, our clinic that started in, there's at least six clinics that started from people who met at our conferences and prayed and said, let's make a team. And they ended up at the end of their training starting clinics. So what should you do now? Um, the one thing that I can tell you is you need Christian community. When you're studying all the time, you're feeling defeated. If you're not plugged into community, for people reminding you why you're doing this, you're going to lose that vision. So if you're in a campus fellowship group, CMBA is obviously here. There's so many different groups that you can get connected with. Again, with the Bible, do not be Bible illiterate because we're the worst. Muslims are awesome at knowing their scriptures. Christians are the worst. Don't be the worst. Like, read, study, and understand your Bible because you don't want a non-Christian to be like, well, like, what does your Bible say about blah, blah, blah? And you're like, well, somewhere in there it says something about... No, know your Bible. So... Um, then, yeah, if you can, during these uh, free times, uh, summer breaks, anything, do volunteer work. Try and figure out what are places where there is need and what are people going through who live in those areas. I know it's pandemic times, but find a church. You need intergenerational fellowship, right? You can't be with your peers all the time. You need the wisdom of older, wiser people. I'm 50 tomorrow. So you need older, wiser people because we already made the mistakes. Why should you make those mistakes? Just learn from our mistakes. But you also need the babies. Like you need it all because this is the family of God. So make sure you are plugged into a church. I say find a mentor who's not in healthcare to like be outside your bubble and mentor you and pray for you and love on you and feed you. So find that. Amos chapter 5, verse uh, 22 whoop, says, Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice offerings, I will have no regard for them. Jesus called his disciples to, and said, Come and follow me. He did not say, Hello, welcome. Okay, now get on out of here. He wanted his disciple to be with him for three years. Why are we saying, I want to go and do these things for God when we're not spending the time with God and with his people? So we need to be fully immersed in God, in scripture, in worship. I was doing a job where I had an hour commute, so half an hour was like listening to the Bible, and the other half hour was like a worship party in my car, because I'm like, we are going to be dancing with Maverick City and like praising Jesus, right? So find ways to incorporate scripture, because you know you can find a five-minute podcast as well as like, like there's, time should not be the issue for you. So while you are getting fed, um, make sure you know how to have spiritual conversations. The whole person care is a great way to learn how to do that because you need to like use your mouth to talk about things. Don't talk about church. Talk about like you know what brings you joy. What are the hard things for you? Because that's spiritual. Um, and but the way to do it is get training. Time to screenshot this. The, I recommend this book. It's called True Story. True Story by James Chung because it's actually like a, a fictional story of somebody sharing their faith with someone. But it gives you good examples of, like, how do I have this conversation without sounding weird? Of course, it's got to be um, led by the person, but you need to have some tools of, like, how to listen and bring out those things out. 
Um, Upholding the Vision is the book that CCHF publishes, which you can order online because we didn't bring enough. Um, but it's a collection of articles of people who do this in all different parts of the country and have been doing it. And if you're like, I just need like more of like direction on how to think about Jesus more, uh, the Practice the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's very tiny. It's like one of the challenges. Can you think about Jesus for one second every minute? Yeah, I didn't think so because it's hard. Um, you can screenshot this. This is me, my contact information. We have our booth downstairs. At noon, we're having a session today. If you want to learn specifically about CCHF, what we have to offer, Daisy Dowell from last night is going to be there sharing. My husband will be there sharing. Um, you'll hear from all different people, and you can come and ask your questions And that is all for me. Thank you all for listening. All right. Yahoo. Ah, So glad to take off that thing. Okay. Um, Great. Thank you guys so much. This has been just amazing. So, um, okay, we are going to zoom through this real fast. So debt and vision for uh, your next steps. So why missions? Read these. Uh, thank you. Um, okay. And um, okay, so there's actually over 1,600 scriptures about God's passion to be praised by all peoples. Isn't that crazy? Um, yeah, I mean the word Lord only shows up like 7,000 times, so this is a big deal. Um, okay, discipleship's only there like 269 times, so big deal. All right. Um, that's 24:14. In this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world, the testimony of all nations, and all nations, and then the end will come. Um, why you? So that's why missions. Why you? Um, and yeah, oh man, read this verse, okay? Um, and so they can't, they can't believe unless they hear. They can't hear unless they're sent. Um, and so there's five roles in missions. Um, and there's a prayer warrior, a sender, a welcomer, a goer, and a mobilizer. All right? So some examples of that. Uh, prayer warrior, these people are crazy. They're amazing. And they spend like all day praying. They're really awesome. Um, all of us should pray and, and do pray. Um, but we should be praying for the unreached to come to know Jesus so that he comes back. Right? We want the king to return. And um, and, this, and it won't it won't happen until all nations um, have the testimony of God. Um, so which one is for you? Okay, which what role does God primarily have for you to play in His mission um, to save all nations? Um, it could be a goer, okay, uh, which is kind of what we normally think of. It could be a sender, uh, loves Jesus and is led by Him to stay. Um, in order to send, radically send, money and disciples uh, to the nations. could be a mobilizer, helping other people go, uh, what I'm trying to do right now. And, uh, or it could be a welcomer, and uh, just hanging out with um, the people that are here now. Um, man, use your vacation time, okay? Literally, almost every summer I had from pre-med, um, med school, and and rotations and residency, I just tried to go somewhere and take friends. And so, yeah, I went to Mexico like five times, got to go to Nigeria, 
Got to go to Venezuela and learn Spanish. Um, me gusta español. Okay, uh, in, in India, and um, got to see church planting there. Got to share the gospel with those who hadn't heard before in Jordan. Um, Egypt, all oh, super neat stuff, what God's doing there. And um, Togo um, and China, got to see a lady come to the Lord. And she actually went to the Middle East as a long-term goer. Um, and so oh, I would love to share that story with you sometime. Um, she's actually in heaven now, um, I mean, because of a car accident, but, um, oh, just as she was passing, she, like, saw, um, just a picture, and she's like, it's so beautiful, I don't want to go back, um, so, ah, what an amazing God we have. Okay, um, so for those who are goers, I want to invite you to a, what we call a goer cohort, okay? And this has been a blast, um, so we have two of them just from GMHC last year, and we're starting more this year. Um, so it's only called only for those who God's called to be a goer to the unreached um, and long term. So it's a very unique population, okay? And it's uh, not for those checking it out. Like we really only want people that are really serious, and this is what God's leading them to do. Um, it's also only for those that are going to leave within the next five years, okay? So it doesn't fit all of us in the room. Uh, we meet every uh, on Zoom every two months for two hours, um, and we pray and get to know each other, memorize scriptures, practice Jesus stories, and we also have guest speakers and kind of discuss with them about our questions and and um, their experiences. And then once a week, everyone on the Goer cohort is also on a prayer team, and we're actively praying through 15 unreached people groups um, called the Priority 15. Um, and so, anyways, uh, yeah, so you can email goercohort at gmail.com. You can snag a pic, or honestly, just pull out your phone and just email me if this fits you. Uh, that would be great. We'd love to have you. Um, and just speeding things up, uh, Party 15 gathering is coming soon, February. Sorry, the date's got kind of pushed. Um, and so that's, again, for goers to the unreached. Um, come, very tight-knit gathering, only 200 of us, um, and we're forming teams to go. And then, um, what's that? Oh, go back. What's that? Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, and it's free, and it's fun. So, yes, please, please come. Um, so, yes, priority15.org. Okay, debt, um, if you got it, then I'm sorry. I had it too. I have it just barely still. But um, a lot of options. You can snag a pic of this if you want, um, and we're going forward. All right. Uh, so, so let me oh, go back. Okay, sorry. Um, so I'll just start talking about the next slide. So, um, my, uh, this is me and my wife, uh, both family and physicians. We accrued $375,000 in debt. Oh. Um, and, uh, by God's grace, amazing grace, um, a week from today, it's gone. <laughs> so praise the Lord. Yeah. She just graduated residency like last summer and me a year ago. Um, like praise God. So yeah, just, I mean, pretty much just live really cheap in North Tulsa and have roommates and do a little moonlighting and you can pay it off fast if you really want to. Okay. Um, or even an RN, like you can pay it off fast. It really doesn't take that long. Um, and you just be free. But the other options are also really good options and they are God's options for some of us. Um, and if you want counseling about this, I got, made some um, particular calculators and all that. So you can email me. Okay. Um, count the cost. Um, this is just kind of like our review slide. Count the cost. Trust the Lord. Pay the price. 
enjoy his reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Um, okay, this is a picture slide if you want it. Um, so that's how you, you're going to sign up for some of the things that you kind of heard in the PowerPoint. Um, then that's, uh, again, uh, oh, the Practice of the Presence of God, that's free PDF on JesusInvasion.com. Um, okay, here we go. Everyone's got a paper, right? If you don't got a paper, raise your hand and someone gets you a paper. Um, so we're just going to take a few moments um, just to process with the Lord. Um, actually, intentionally, really think this is super valuable time. We've heard a lot of stuff already today. We're going to hear even more in it later. So I should be quiet. Sorry there's no guitar. Just imagine it. Um, and, uh, and just try to spend some time with the Lord. If you have a pen, great. If not, that's fine. Um, and then if you are a discussion leader, meet me just outside uh, in the hall. And then, again, online folks, we are going to send a Zoom link, and uh, we'll do a discussion there for you guys. Um, okay? And, um, and then before we break, um, oh, actually, yeah, enjoy some time with Jesus, and then, and then we'll, I'll explain the next slide real fast. Okay? And we still need one more paper here in the front. Um, papers are just outside the hall if uh, there's someone that can bring them. Okay, so you guys chill? You got it? Okay, great. Imagine the guitar. All right. Um, cool. And actually, let me pray for us. Is that, is that cool? Okay. Um, ah, Jesus, um, thank you so much. Thanks for what we've heard, but most importantly, thank you for just you. You are our guide. You're our God. You're amazing. So would you speak to us now? So we kind of look through these questions and even just kind of process what is what is the main thing that you wanted for us and um, how can we obey you from what we heard um, in Jesus your name we pray all right I'll be back in just a second Father, for how you speak to us. Amen. Um, okay, guys, here's the breakdown for the small groups. So um, we are in 13 in the live session, okay? Our overflow is the 14 and 16. So imagine, so here's that door, right? Here's the doors. So we're like looking this way, okay? So PAs would be to my left here, PGYH1 over there. Are you tracking? And we're just going to make circles of the chairs, okay? Um, and so, yeah, does that, does that make sense? Um, Dennis, I'm sorry, there's only one of you. Uh, um, you can group together. If there's multiple Dennis or pre-Dents, then you guys have that section back there. Okay, question? Yes, yes, yes. I, um, I... Sorry, I forgot to ask about that one. If you're a new grad, um, who who is a new grad here? Yes, awesome. Okay, fantastic. Um, let's kind of circle up over here together, or we'll we'll be in that back corner. Okay. Sorry, I forgot to ask about that. Good question. Um, okay, you guys ready? All right, Godspeed. Go go go.